Psalm 78 is what we're going to take a look at this morning. The title of the lesson is, Help Them to Hope in God. Now, I want to say this as we get in, into this. We're going to talk about a little bit about our responsibility this morning. So I'll pull up this introduction slide. And it's a command of God that the next generation be taught. And the command is given first to parents and then to the whole spiritual community. And I want us to uh, see that as we take a look at Psalm 78 this morning. And we'll give consideration to three points from this particular psalm as we look at those first eight verses that really kind of set the tone for that entire psalm. It is a historical perspective that he's talking about. And the idea is to pay it forward and then a generation at risk. As you take a look at Psalm 78, it's a rather lengthy psalm. It's um, 72 verses in, in length. And it's addressed, as you take a look at it, really to the entire nation. And it's a recounting of God's perseverance with that nation. And as you look at Psalm 78, it will actually cover a whole spectrum all the way from like the Exodus all the way up to the reign of David. And what the psalmist is encouraging is, as the current generation thinks about what God has done for that nation, he's encouraging them to then pass that on to the next generation. And so his purpose is clear. These are the stories that you should be familiar with. And you should take these stories and you should pass them on to the next generation. And the reason being this, that the next generation would come to embrace God. They would sing this psalm and they would read this psalm publicly. And they would pass those stories on from one generation to the next generation. So there was a phrase that I thought about as I was reading this psalm and kind of thinking about this lesson. And I'm sure that you remember this phrase from just years recent. And the phrase goes like this. It takes a village to raise a child. You heard that? And that thought came to mind as I was taking a look at this psalm. And so Wikipedia, right? Everybody can look it up. And in Wikipedia it says that it takes a village to raise a child is probably most likely an African proverb. But what it does is it acknowledges other people's influence in the success of raising a child. So the concept is that a village with their values and with their morals recognize the responsibility, the relationships they have, and they share those with the younger generation. So yes, it is parents, but it is also that social group that they are a part of that has a responsibility also. I thought, well, that sounds reasonable. And based on Psalm 78, that's what he's talking about. And as you think about that, you think, well, that sounds good so far. But then you stop and you think about our society, this generation. And you think about the fact that what society is it? What village is it 
that where they are now sharing common values, common morals, and wanting to pass that on to the next generation. And as you think about our society, aren't they trying to do exactly the opposite of that? Aren't they trying to destroy that communal sort of uh, unity that we might have? In a lot of ways, it's like they're trying to tear uh, the village apart. You know, as you think about raising your own children, those of us who have raised children, and you think about the society, the social group that you were a part of, you counted on others to share their values, share their morals. Not only did you count on that, there were times when you counted on others just to give somebody a ride to school or maybe a ride to sports activities and all those kind of things. But that was your social group. That was, in essence, your village, wasn't it? And everybody kind of shared in that. And it was to the value of the child that was being raised. So here's the point that I want to make from this study this morning. First of all, parents, choose your village wisely. And then secondly, in a Christian village... (laughs) If I can use that terminology for us, we need to recognize the responsibility that God has given us also. That we have a responsibility to the next generation because that's what the psalmist is talking about here. The responsibility that the village has to the next generation. So I want to read to you. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation because I just like the wording, the way he uses it here. It's Psalm 78. I want to read verses 1 through 4. He says, O my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying. For I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past. Stories we have heard and known. Stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord and about His power and His mighty wonders. I will teach you hidden lessons. And whenever he says that, what he is saying is just lessons you haven't learned before. And so as the next generation comes along, the older generation said, hey, let me me tell you something I learned when I was growing up. As you take a look at Psalm 78, Psalms 105, and Psalms 106, they're sometimes referred to as historical psalms. And the reason why they're referred to as historical psalms is because they are looking back and they're talking about what God has done for them in the past. In Psalms 105 and verse 1 it says, Let the whole world know what He has done. In Psalms 106, it says, Praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Historical Psalms, talking about God's people, how God persevered with them, about His mighty wonders, about His glorious deeds, about His steadfast love, how He's worthy of praise. 
So as Psalm 78 begins, the very first thing he does is he calls for their attention. And then he says he will teach them lessons from their past. I want to keep this in mind also. As you take a look at these Psalms, and we oftentimes refer to the book of Psalms in its entirety, as a book of prayers. And so keeping in mind the context, Psalm 78, 105, 106, historical perspective, looking back, prayers, and what's they praying for? Notice verse 5 and 6. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children. So the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. So what's the psalmist say? I want you to teach the next generation the things that you knew from the past. And I'm praying that you fulfill that responsibility and you do that so that even the children that are unborn will come to know these stories. Instruction. Prayer. Prayer for the next generation and prayer for this generation. What's the prayer for this generation? that you fulfill your responsibility to the next generation. Can we see that? So let me ask you this question. You ever pray for kids? I think most all of us probably have a child or children in mind that we pray for, don't we? And let me ask you this also. Do those prayers sometimes fall along lines like this? Because verse 5 and 6, he says, teach your children. Then he says, even those that are yet born. So let me ask you, do you ever pray for a child that has not even yet been born? You know we do, don't we? It goes like this. Dear Lord, please be with her. Contrary to what society is saying as we talked about in class this morning that men can have children. Eh. (laughs) Praying for her and that that child will develop and it will be born healthy. We ever pray that? Yeah, we do. You know what else we pray for after that? When kids are little and when they sometimes get sick, don't we pray for them too? They're just little. Their immune systems are just developing. And we pray that they'll get through all those childhood illnesses and so forth. And so along those lines, sometimes we pray that kids might even be able to get some sleep. Sometimes that's selfish because we want sleep, right? But sometimes it's because kids can be scared, right? And so we want them to be comforted and we want them to be able to get rest. And then we pray for them when they go off to school. I drove a school bus for a while. 
And I can remember in the morning, there might be mom, might be dad, might be mom and dad out there. And you could see the look on their face. And they're concerned about that child getting on that bus. I never had any one of them say this to me, but I know they were thinking, <laughs> pray for my child. <laughs> and we do that and we pray that whenever they go to school, that the other kids will be good to them. And that they'll be good to other kids. <laughs> and as they grow and develop, we pray that they'll choose good friends. Don't we pray for that? And we pray as they get a little older that they'll say no to drugs and no to alcohol. It ruins people's lives. And we pray that they'll make good choices about college or careers and good choices about mates and who they might marry. And so that's what the psalmist is suggesting. Pray for that future generation. Pray for this generation. And so we think about parents, we think about grandparents, we think about friends, relatives, but we think about this village, fellow Christians. And you know, whenever we think about parents praying for the kids, one of the very first things we think about is we pray that they will come to know the Lord and that he will be their savior and that they will follow him all the days of their life. Isn't that what we pray for? Well, that's what Psalm 78 is all about. Pray for that generation, but pray for this generation. That it will do what it's supposed to do. And in verse 6 he says, even for those that are not yet born. So he says, tell them of his glorious deeds. Tell them of his mighty works. I want you to notice in verse 1, he says, O my people, listen to my instructions and open your ears to what I am saying. You know, one of the very first things that we ought to recognize about this psalm is this. Yes, it is set in the context of psalms, which is a book of prayers. But one of the very first things we ought to recognize about this is that this is public. This is not private. This is, oh, my people, listen to my instructions. What the psalmist is saying is this is the type of psalm that ought to be read it ought to be sung. It ought to be done in a public setting. This is when God's people are together. Read this psalm. And remember the instruction that he's given. Some have said, this is a psalm of trust. It's a psalm of remembrance. But it's a psalm of commitment. And one writer put it this way. He said, this is a psalm of burden. Not burden in a negative sense. But burden in the sense 
recognize what God wants you to do. The present generation. What you're going to do for the next generation. One writer went on to put it this way. He says, as this psalmist is suggesting that we pray, he's also preaching to us. (laughs) I think there's a lot of truth to that. What he's saying is, in order to help the next generation go forward, first help them to look back. It's a historical psalm. Secondly, so what he's suggesting then is, for the current generation, he's saying, I want you to pay it forward. Now let me give you this illustration. Back when I was a kid about nine years old because back when I was coming up we didn't have t-ball I never went to kindergarten either you played little league and you went to first grade that was the way it was but I remember at nine years old when I started to play baseball and I remember the coach that I had at that time and he teaches us how to throw a ball and how to catch a ball and how to hit a ball And we look at that and we might kind of think, well, that's kind of the mechanics of the game, isn't it? But that wasn't the only thing that that coach taught us. He also taught us not just the mechanics, but he also taught us the morals of the game. You got to play by the rules. Don't cheat. And when you play, you give it your best. And you encourage your teammates. And when you get hurt, you rub some dirt on it. And then you get back in the game. And we play for nine innings. You don't quit. So, you think back on that. That coach... I can't teach him baseball. He taught me. So how do I repay him? What that says is just exactly what this psalm is saying. You can't repay them. So what you do is you pay it forward. You think back. It's a historical perspective. And you think about the blessings that you received. And now your obligation is to pay it forward to the next generation. In verse 2, the writer says, For I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past. I'll teach you things you don't know, but things that I learned. And just like I benefited from being taught, this will help benefit you also. So what he's saying is the faith that we possess, the way that we came to possess it is because we were taught. The way the next generation is going to possess that faith is for them to be taught. That's the point of Matthew 28, right? Go make disciples of all the nations. Christianity is a taught religion. Faith comes by hearing. 
So just like I think about baseball, we also think about our faith, right? Who was it that helped you to come to faith? Was it a parent? Was it a grandparent? Was it maybe some other Christian or older Christian? Maybe it was a Bible class teacher. Look at verse 2 and 3 together. For I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past. Stories we have heard and known. Stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about His power, and about His mighty works. As one commentator suggested, that points back and it points forward. So he's saying the present generation, we have a responsibility. Because we know what we received in the past, and now we want to pay that forward. In other words, what you've got to do is you've got to recognize you're the link. And you're the vital link from the past to the next generation. We're the village. The responsibility is first to parents, but then it's also to the spiritual community. And so Psalm 78 is reminding all of it, all Israel of their responsibility. Now I want you to look at verses 5 through 7. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded for our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God and not forgetting His glorious miracles and obeying His commands. So as you take a look at this, what he's saying is the present generation has a twofold responsibility. First responsibility is you recall those stories from the past. And then you also teach them God's laws. So each generation, he says then, will set its hope anew on God. Now notice verse 8. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. You know what that's saying? See, we read down through this psalm and there's events that are taken all the way from Exodus and Joshua and Judges and Samuel clear up to David. And oh yeah, there were times when God had to rebuke them and God had to chasten them and chastise them. But the psalmist is saying, remember those glorious deeds that God did. 
Why? Because that will be the motivation then to keep His laws. Notice now, verse 4. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about His power on His, and His mighty wonders. That's what we're going to tell them about God. Then verse 5. For He issued His laws to Jacob. He gave His instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children. You see the sequence of events there that he's talking about? So that when you come to the laws and commands, don't ever forget how God blessed you. What's the point he's making? The point that he's making is very simply this. Too many Israelites had received the covenant as an external arrangement. You know what that is? That's religion without relationship. That's what that is. And what he's saying is, I want you to teach him about God. I want you to teach him about his glorious deeds and his mighty wonders. Why? So that they will embrace God and then they will embrace His laws. When you see the love that God has for you, then you come to understand the purpose of His laws. Therefore, your good always. Deuteronomy 10. Teach of His glorious miracles. Teach of His mighty deeds. Teach of His patience. Tell the stories of the past. And how we were the beneficiaries of His goodness. And then you'll obey His commands. Embrace Him from the heart. That's Deuteronomy the 6th chapter. Listen, Israel... You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. It's Deuteronomy 6, and verse 5. Verse 7, And you shall teach these commands to your children. You embrace God with your heart, and then you pass this on to the next generation. You tell them what God did for you. Passing it on. From generation to generation. See, we've kind of lost that concept, haven't we? Let me run this by you and see if you recall. Those are older. See if you recall. There was a time when storytelling was an art. Yeah. There was a time when storytelling was an art. And I would suggest to you, it wasn't just on a professional level either, that probably within every family, somebody would be able to point to Uncle Joe or Aunt Mary or whoever it was. And they would say, boy, they can tell a story. 
and families would gather together around the kitchen table and they would talk to each other. Isn't that novel? <laughs> or maybe they would gather in front of the fireplace. Or maybe in the summertime like this they'd sit on the front porch. Do you remember family reunions? Yeah. One generation talking to the next generation. How did we get here? What brought us here? And all those kind of things. In Israel, that's what the psalmist is talking about. One generation telling the next generation those stories. But not just any stories. You tell them God's stories. That's what I want you to tell them. Tell them how God's story became your story. I have a book at home titled When God's Story Becomes Your Story. So we teach God's commands and that's good. But don't ever forget to tell the story. The Bible from beginning to end is a story. It's God's story. And it's the greatest story that's ever been told. Can you tell God's story and can you tell somebody when God's story became your story. Can you tell that? October 22nd, 1976, a Friday afternoon. God's story became my story. And that's what the psalmist has said. Tell the next generation when God's story became your story. So I want to give you a suggestion. Since we're talking about kids and since we're talking about teaching the next generation and telling the next generation. Have you ever had a child say to you at nighttime, they're scared? Have you ever said that? Well, sometimes we just give them a Bible verse or we tell them to say a prayer. Well, the next time a child says that to you, that they're scared, they're afraid, tell them when you were afraid. Tell them. how God calms your fears. You ever had a child say to you that they're sad? Well, the next time 
one says that to you, tell them about a time when you were sad. And tell them about how God lifted your heart. If you want a child to come to faith, tell them how you came to faith. Tell them when God's story became your story. How'd that happen? And when did it happen? See, when we tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, and that's what the psalmist is suggesting. When we tell them those God stories, that's what helps to open their hearts so God can work in their life the way He's worked in your life. How has His story been a blessing to you? Verse 5. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to your children. Now you see the point of verse 5. When you've told them those God stories, then they'll embrace God's laws. Remember those stories? Remember the stories of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? That's what they would share. They would share the story of Joseph and the Exodus. They would share the stories of creation, the flood, and Noah. And they'd share the stories of David and Goliath. And they'd share the stories of Daniel in the lion's den. And they would share the stories of a promise to Abraham of a Messiah. That's his story. And you know what his story is? His story is a rescue mission. That's his story. Can you share the story of when he rescued you? That's Psalm 78. You tell him about glorious deeds, God's glorious deeds. And his marvelous works. So thirdly, we'll wrap it up. Listen to Psalm 78 verses 5 through 8. All the way through verse 8 now together. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children. So the next generation might know them. Even the children not yet born. And they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should, so each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Then they will not be like our ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. That's why he's saying, teach them about God so they give their hearts to God and then they'll be faithful to God. 
You know, as you take a look around at our society today, if there was ever a time when a current generation needed to remember the instructions of Psalm 78, it seems like it would be now. Children and young people are growing up in the most secularized environment our nation's ever known. And they will not be hearing God's story, Bible stories, the gospel of Jesus Christ anywhere except in the home and in their churches. So it's imperative. It's especially important for parents, grandparents, other Christians to be aware of the village and what kids are growing up in. Let me give you a little research information. There are those who do the studies on the Christian sort of environment, so to speak. And research would tell us that childhood, adolescence, those early years, the formative years of a person's life, those are the times when they are the most receptive to the stories, to the truths that are taught in God's Word. And it also shows that it's in those years is when they are formulating in their minds what they're going to follow for life. But yet, as we think about it, and as we think about evangelism, oftentimes, where do our thoughts go? Well, it goes to adults, doesn't it? <laughs> we got to get out of here. We got, And what the psalmist is saying, where does your evangelism start? It starts right here. That's where it starts. Start with your own village. So in light of society, and in light of the opportunities, limited opportunities that we have, this same group of research is calling for increased radical effort to reach young people. And it's blatantly clear. There are those out there who are trying to reach our young people, aren't they? They are trying to reach our schools. They are reaching and have reached our colleges. And that's not to say that we just concede it and give up on it. But it's clearly shown they are trying to influence the minds of young people. You know what that says? They want to control the village. That's what they want to control. So it's been put this way. If you want to have a lasting influence on the world, then you must invest in people's lives. And if you want to maximize that investment, then you must invest in those people's lives while they are young. That's what the psalmist is saying. One generation passing on the faith, 
to the next generation. One generation telling the next generation God's story. And then they will embrace His laws from the heart. Truth needs to be passed on. It needs to be explained and applied from generation to generation. So what the psalmist is saying is that we need to share God's story. And share how it applies to your life. And then in verse 8 he says, Then they will not be like our ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. So the psalmist is saying this is the way to help them to hope in God. I want to extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here. And if this invitation applies to you in any way, if we can help you, that's what we're here for. So the invitation's yours while together we stand and while we sing.